All right. Hello and welcome to the Socially Intoxicated Awareness Podcast. Um, it honestly, it never gets old saying that. It's so, it's such a funky title. <laughs> and we came up with it, what, two, two and a half years ago or something? Yeah. It just, it just gets, it, it grows on me, man. It's really funny. Um, but welcome. Technically the Sotoxapod now, but you know. It is technically. Well, I mean, Sotoxapod's an abbreviation and abbreviations mean nothing without the full meaning. Yeah. It's um, part of the origin story. <laughs> our supervillain origin story exactly exactly um but hello and welcome uh this is episode nine or ten um we're, we're not entirely sure we're just talking about it uh, but probably episode nine i think um, we're, so we're recording this on uh sunday the 12th of june um just after the um azerbaijan grand prix uh the formula one grand prix which was honestly um i we I feel like it was an interesting race, right? I feel like so much happened and it had widespread implications, but at the same time, it wasn't that great a race, you know, like there was some fighting going on, but all of it felt kind of, yeah, uncontested. Like I, I honestly, the biggest fight I feel on track was probably between a uh, Gasly and Hamilton for fifth per, uh, position. And even that only lasted like two laps being generous. In terms of the biggest battle, I guess we can get to that later, but I would have put the McLarens <laughs> um, <laughs> towards the, the latter parts of the race. But yeah, for me, especially the history of Baku, it's, this was, I think, the sixth race. Um, and uh, for me, I was expecting, you know, as the other the last four races essentially have been pretty crazy, I was expecting quite a crazy race. And there was some craziness to it, but it also, in terms of how the TV broadcast covered it, it didn't seem very exciting. The things that did happened that made the race a little crazy and they weren't too crazy to uh to have a huge you know like disturbance of the race essentially that that caused for a huge rejump yeah there there, there, there was, was no major incident yeah there was no not one safety car for instance there was a couple virtual ones um and you know that kind of gets a that, that means that they don't completely regroup and uh, there's no like restart essentially if it's if it's driving restart or uh or a standing one none of those which we've seen in the past in baku so that was a little disappointing but at the end of the day there was also some some very good racing and some good results for some teams and also especially a couple of individual drivers uh i think there's three good like storylines for for drivers in more the midfield area that have that that had a good race this weekend and uh yeah um, I guess we'll get into it, but in terms of first impressions, yeah, this this race was probably one of the more boring ones of the season, and I guess this season has had uh, quite a few big ones so far already. So we're yeah, we, we've we're had raising the bar really pretty high already. Yeah, yeah, we've had a few really exciting ones, but I've you know, I wouldn't call it boring. I just say it was. I feel like it was pretty average, and then coupled with the higher expectations people usually have for Baku, including myself, that's what kind of made it a bit less interesting. Um, but I'd say this, honestly, this race was for me pretty on terms with like Miami or so, you know, that's funny. Yeah. I would have said the exact same thing because yeah. there was, there's consistent, like maybe something is about to go nuts and it didn't, but the potential is there and it didn't, but it keeps you in your seat and you're like, you're, you're still very engaged with the race. Yeah. The big moments were, um, were the moments that had implications for the championship, you know, and those weren't like high octane like events they were just like well this happened now and now someone's in the pits you know or um someone's just in a runoff area and we have a vsc 
Indeed, indeed. So I guess if before we go into that, I think it's good to maybe cover uh, how we started the race, which uh, the qualifying results, Leclerc got pole, sixth pole, and <laughs> out of eight races, and the other yeah. two times he's been second. So he's really showing up in qualifying this season. And it's quite sad that he's only turned six poles into two race runs. Um, that, that, and I'm not even sure if both race runs this season came off poles, to be honest. I, th- I don't know if one of them was maybe off a P2. But um, essentially, Leclerc was first, then came both Red Bulls, Perez, and first half, and then Sainz in fourth, followed by Russell, Gasly, Hamilton, Sonoda, Vettel, and Alonso. So the Aston Martin made it into Q3, which um, is pretty impressive considering in qualifying. Uh, yeah, both had some both both Aston Martins hit the barriers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man of position and, and qualifying for Vettel. Shout out. And that. second time in a row, Vettel also made it into the top ten in uh, Monaco. And these two races have been historically pretty good for him. Yep. Yep. Last season he got his first podium with uh, the team, and I think he got a P two in uh, Baku last year. This season it wasn't quite that, but considering he qualified ninth, he uh, he did make his way up the grid in this race, which is very, very good news for Aston Martin and their engine performance uh, yeah. or car performance in general, because they changed their side pods a few weeks back. And uh, it seemed to have given them some some extra room uh, to push forwards, which I guess is a good sign. Uh, 11th and 12th were Norris and Ricardo, and then Ocon, then the Alfa Romeos, Magnussen, the Williams, Stroll, and Schumacher rounding out the pack. Schumacher made up a lot of ground in this race. <laughs> made up six Did he? spots that's all i want to say about schumacher in this podcast yeah, yeah. wait i, <laughs> I want to say he made he up six spots and how many 14. people retired huh? <laughs> come on four <laughs> yeah no five five retired five he so he, he only beat the tv which i think is important yeah which is important it, it's yeah, important that's, yeah that's just a real shame because sadly schumacher is currently being compared to the tv that's kind of the bar yeah and, and last year that was fine, you know, yeah. because the Haas was a dog. But this year I feel the Haas is somewhat competitive. Yeah, and the, there wasn't much action around surrounding Mick throughout the whole race. So it was pretty quiet, which I honestly thought was good for him. But had he been higher up, I'm sure that would have been different. And he just didn't seem to get through uh, in the race. But, you know, quality P14. Um, or sorry, that was the race. But Quali, I think there was an issue with the car that um, didn't allow him to to get the most optimum performance out of it, which kind of dropped him to the back and didn't give him a chance to come into Q2. Because usually he's pretty good at quite, like challenging, at least for Q2. Yeah. And uh, consistent there at this point. So, um, but yeah, the qualifying wasn't super eventful. Um, Leclerc put on a really good lap at the end of the day, even though people thought Red Bull was quicker. Yeah, and, and we and we amazing. And we had the problem again where um a lot of cars were trying to go out very uh, towards the very end, and then slowing each other down, and going out in a big gaggle, and, and just making it really hard to um to really find time to make uh, to to drive a proper lap for everyone. Which is often the case on street circuits for some reason, but uh, the the a big thing in qualifying was also getting like big like um, slipstreams to basically add i think leclerc at one point had half a second extra on some lap because he got the perfect um god now i can't think of it slipstream behind uh the guys ahead of him um anyway going into the race 
Toby, uh, do you want to cover the uh, four out of five people that did not finish the race and kind of kick it off with that? <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, for it's it's rather the people who didn't finish that that are astonishing a bit, rather than um, how they how they didn't finish. You know, there was no major incident. It was uh, Carlos Sainz on on lap eight, I think, or really early on had a uh, just had a. I think Ferrari came out and said it was a hydraulic issue, which can mean many things. Um, but had a moment where um, coming out of turn three into turn four, I think um, his car just went, blah, 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 had a hiccup and uh, just kind of yep. sputtered out and he just rolled into the runoff area and then his race was over. It was just like that. And then shortly thereafter, uh, what, 10, 10, 15 laps thereafter, um, Leclerc finished. He had a, it looked pretty major. I mean, it had kind of loose smoke coming out of the back of the engine, which is really, really good. Uh, he had a proper blowout um, about to enter the start finish straight. Um, then Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu um, had a situation where uh, they retired him into the pits due to an engine issue and um, I don't think it was entirely clear he, he didn't stop on track so it was it, se- it was seemingly a bit more controlled but a real shame for him I think that was his third retirement in the past three races or so super unlucky because he was running in 10th at the time yeah he he was he had he, good pace there same, he, same for yeah, Bottas he had amazing pace too in qualifying Zhou did um, like I thought he was doing a really good job in qualifying, at least at the beginning, and then it kind of yeah. teetered off. So uh, solid performance from him. And again, unlucky. Really, really sad for him, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think we'll cover him much more. That's why I'm adding the comment. Now. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. Um, yeah, he he really had a that that took him out of the race. Huh? And with you can have all the promise in the world, and then your your engine blows up and you're screwed. Yeah, and I feel like it's the third time I've heard him say on the radio, oh, "Really? Are you kidding me again? Yeah, like, <laughs> we can't keep doing this, guys." <laughs> And it's like, man, that's heartbreaking because he's doing his part. Like, uh, I, I think he's he's been doing a solid job, um, at least yeah. in terms of rookie expectations and the alpha. That's decent. Agreed, agreed. I think um, I think he's had a fairly decent rookie season so far. When he's had a car that that really you know got him to the end, which was only Bahrain. I mean, um, in Australia, he was really close to um, to finishing in the points. Yep, and then he said this was his third or fourth race where he had an engine issue, yep. you know, and it was just, yeah. I mean, Which is really interesting yeah. because, well, maybe we finished with the fourth uh, Ferrari power unit car that uh, DNF'd, which was Magnussen, who caused yep. the second virtual safety car because he stopped on track, or right off the track, essentially, and then had to be schlepped off. And uh, I, this states i don't know it's quite an interesting picture because the only other person that retired was stroll and that was quite towards the end of the race because well it wasn't really worth it anymore essentially that was the main thing and yeah. uh, there was like a small issue which taking a long pit stop so they're like no nah, screw it we'll drive it in there's no chance for points anyway um but four out of the five cars that had issues were all ferrari power units and um Granted, not all of them were power unit issues. With Joe, they were. With Leclerc, they were. With Sainz, it with was gear, gearbox issue, issue. And with Magnussen, they were. Magnussen, it was also an engine issue, I'm pretty sure. So that's something that's going to have to be looked at. Maybe it was because of these specific uh, temperatures. The track temperature was, I think, 48 or 49 degrees, at least towards the beginning of the race. And maybe that's something that they didn't quite calculate on because it's hotter than ever before. So maybe the data just, there wasn't much data there to back. Uh, or prepare for that um but it creates quite a damning picture because if you think about towards the beginning of the season where max had a couple dnfs very quickly um mm-hmm. 
the whole talk was about, oh, Ferrari has this amazing car and Red Bull, while they can challenge, consistently have reliability issues. Well, the last three races, you know, it's pretty much been Ferrari mistakes. One of them was a team mistake, not a like technical thing, but I don't know. It hasn't been great. It hasn't yeah. been great. And it's kind of switched the, 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 the sides a little bit in terms of the narrative, in my opinion. It, it for sure has, right? Especially because um, from what I understood, Red Bull was Red Bull had the, the reliability issues in the beginning of the series season, but they were able to salvage a lot of the uh, a lot of the parts of the engine. Whereas Ferrari is now getting into the territory where they're gonna start, have to start taking engine penalties soon, you know, just to keep up. And at the same time, beginning of the season having engine issues there is one thing, you know. Every everything's new. You're trying to sort things out in the middle of the season where you're meant to be hitting kind of like that that mid-range, high-range use of, of uh, or wearage on, on your engines, and then your new engines start blowing up, that's really, hmm. Exactly. That's really not that good. Exactly. And it, then to add to that, Ferrari had a great starting package to the season, but, you know, with developments and everything, they've been lagging a little bit compared to, for example, Red Bull. And again, this may be strategy due to the budget cap, but um, at the same time, you're you're getting a little concerned. It's like, okay, Red Bull is putting these pieces together really well, whereas Ferrari, it seems like, I don't know, whatever they put in the car, it just doesn't seem to work. And if it does, then the uh, team kind of cocks it up. The drivers are yeah. doing a good job. Like, Sainz and Leclerc, they're both, honestly, Sainz had a, okay, he had a two or three race rough stretch there, but he's come back. And even the few laps he drove were okay today. He immediately challenged uh, Verstappen, on the first corner, maybe that's the next a good segue into the like how the race began. So we get yeah. to the start, and um, funnily enough, like five minutes before the start, I texted into our little chat. I was like, "Okay, my my predicted top three is Perez, Leclerc, and then Verstappen." And in turn one, or after turn one, that's exactly how it looked. So I was super happy because yep. Perez took the inside to the left corner, and he was second, and that's where second is. And he got a good start, jump on Leclerc, outbroke him. Leclerc locked up a little bit, and uh, the two of them were Perez immediately had built quite a gap to him, but then Leclerc also had quite a gap to uh, Verstappen and Sainz. Sainz was closing and challenging Verstappen a couple times, but it didn't really. Wasn't didn't really, really go anywhere yeah and then it kind of stayed like that and the minimal lead that Perez had built was kind of a ruined through the then safety car that had come he couldn't just you know continue driving but it got slowed down a lot and pit stops came in so strategy switched up later on then uh Verstappen unlocked his raw potential I guess because all of a sudden the pace was just very different between the two of them and he was much much faster uh, it was revealed a little bit afterwards that the team had told Perez not to fight because Verstappen was so much quicker um, and to let him through. But I don't think this was a huge team order thing. I think it was just a like clarification, transparency thing, just like, yo, he's way faster. Let him buy it. It's important. So we get yeah. the victory. I don't know. Would you, did you interpret it differently? I, uh, to some degree, I think you're right. And, and Perez confirmed it in the end as well, right? I didn't On the other that. hand... On the other hand, on the other hand, I thought if it was so clear, you know, because in Spain it was a clear strategy thing, right? Verstappen was on a much faster set of tires. Here they were both completely level as far as the strategy goes. 
And if it was so clear, and I don't think Paris was putting up much of a fight anyways, no. I think they could have gone without the team order and it would have played out very similarly while saving a bit of face. And, and it worked out that, you know, the drivers and the team is what is important in the end. They seem to be completely on the same page here. Exactly. I was just thinking, watching it, I was thinking, well, that was a bit unnecessary, right? It, it seemed to, yeah, it just didn't sound like, yeah, didn't well, seem like it was really that that necessary. The thing for me is as well often you you see the um like team orders they literally on the radio say this is a team order obey this this is like a direct mm. command in a way right whereas this snippet at least i don't know if there's more length to it but usually they then show it on tv if they say team order or not and here it didn't seem like they did it was just more like okay he's really hot just like you know don't fight and yeah it was more like, uh, okay, narrating what's happening on track. At least that was my initial reaction. Um, yeah, ex you're, you're right, right? It's, yeah. I just felt it was, yeah, it didn't seem necessary to me. Agreed, agreed. Um, I think they could have left it, but then there's the potential for, uh, you know, but I think Perez and Verstappen are exactly. really good on the same page. So we're, yeah. we're good there. Maybe it's worth giving them like, like trusting them a little and kind of giving them that, okay, deal, do, do it yourselves. We trust you enough. Um, we'll just yeah, give you the I'm, data. And I'm sure someone at the pit ball was having 2018 flashbacks when Ricardo crashed into Verstappen exactly. on exactly. that straight, you know? And yeah. uh, in reference to the Red Bulls, um, I honestly think they I guess maybe you give Verstappen the edge in terms of like the head-to-head -head for this weekend, but Perez did out-qualify him and he did an amazing job in qualifying. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say they pretty much tied this weekend, to be fair. Um, Perez lost a bit of pace and it, it didn't really play a role in the race because the other two real contenders dropped off. So it wasn't really like a topic, just like fairly clear early on who was going to challenge, or like actually go for the win. And then uh, it was funny, other nightmares, because you mentioned like 2018. Well, last year, Verstappen was comfortably in the lead with Perez in second. Yeah. And he blew a puncture and that came back. And uh, this is another mini topic I have noted down for this day is the topic of DRS in the Red Bull area. Um, yeah. Because on the one hand, we have Verstappen, who at the end of the race is basically they're saying, no, nope, don't use DRS anymore to um, overtake lap cars, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, just just leave it because we just want to get it home and maybe actually go a bit slower. And then there was like a conversation where Verstappen was then like casually, you know, arguing like, oh, but should I go that much slower because cold tires might also be dangerous while he was driving like nuts. I always think that's insane. Um, but not to use your DRS flap anymore. And um, a similar, <laughs> this this command or this, this conversation came right after Tsunoda's DRS flap um, opened halfway and maybe not in the way you'd imagine when I say halfway, but literally vertically half, like the right side of the flap opened the normal way it would, while the other yeah. half didn't. It, like it snapped in half. And uh, the commentators were pretty focused on it. And this was interesting because it resulted in a black and orange flag being waved, which I have never I've seen before. Never seen before either, no. And uh, At least not remembering. Basically, because the part had become a little bit dislodged and not in its original state, the safety concerns of the whole spoiler or the flap flying off and hitting another car, or but also that the car then, Tsunoda's car, if his whole thing in the back falls off, he won't be able to brake and he'll crash straight on. He won't be able to turn anymore. 
and it, it'd be pretty brutal. So from that safety, I, as far as I take it, the black and orange flag means you got to assess this issue immediately and pit. Uh, otherwise, you're disqualified or you're you're out of the race. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, it's a it's a mecha- it's a black flag, which is uh, get the fuck back into the pits. Yeah. Um, but but specifically for like a mechanical issue, right? At yeah. least I I see it. <laughs> I've never seen it in Formula One. I only see it in I think it's Project Cars Two. <laughs> <laughs> when I crash the car, <laughs> they go, oh, you got to come back into the pits. You, you broke the suspension or something. Uh, that's probably what it was. And in this case, the the, <laughs> the Alphatari team came up with a genius solution. So it's a note of pits. It gets new tires. And in the process of that, someone has the genius idea of taping down his whole DRS with duct tape. <laughs> and it's yeah. like the basics of engineering come back into play. And they have duct taped uh, the DRS flap shut. So Tsunoda was out without DRS. And it's a real shame because he was running really well. I think he was in sixth or seventh at the time. Seventh, I think, yeah. He was having a great race. And Gasly was still in fourth, right, uh, at that time point. So it sucked for Tsunoda because he, I think, at the end dropped out of the points because of that. Uh, more the pit stop, not not using the DRS. But, uh, um, yeah, that was an interesting topic because we, we uh, have heard about the DRS not working or you know, people not being quite happy with it in the last few races in the Red Bull uh, um, team. Mm-hmm. And I know it's affected other cars too, but it's weird that this didn't seem like a topic last season. So it must be something with the new cars. Um, uh, there was an analysis by Scarb somewhere, I think. Um, Peter Scarborough, I think. Um, on, on what, or someone else. Um on what the um what the DRS issue might be with um with Repo, but I but I forgot what they were what they were saying. Um as far as I know, it's only really the Red Bull that or well the Red Bull family that's been affected by it, um on their rear wing. But it's concerning that they think it's so it's such a genetic issue between the cars that if it happens with uh, with an Alpha Tauri, then it might also affect the um uh, the Red Bull car. Yeah, exactly, because they, you know, share parts. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they weren't concerned about the Alpha Tauris when, when the Ripple had the failures. So you think it was coincidence? I don't know if it was coincidence. Well, maybe we'll find out in the next few days. This is, after all, more of an emotional reaction anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So coming to... Uh, at the end of the race, P. So Verstappen finished first. Perez got second. Very casual one-two finish right there. Third of the season, I think, and uh, quite impressive for Red Bull. They have an eighty-point lead over Ferrari now, and it was the maximum points gain they could have gotten over Ferrari. Yeah, which is pretty well bad for Ferrari. Um, but Extremely bad that. for Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible job. Or what? Just I guess unlucky, or I don't know. Just not contending for the championship anymore really it seems like um and it seems like red bull right now is just running away with it uh the team that most benefited from ferrari not finishing was uh, also uh, mercedes and russell and hamilton slaughtered in p3 and 4 respectively uh russell again he's just been quiet but really solid just consistent yeah uh again extends his streak of finishing in the top five every race uh got in, i think his third podium of the season um meaning he's three times more podiums than Hamilton does this season, just pointing that out, who finished behind him. Um, And for some weird reason, Hamilton got driver of the day, which I don't understand at all, because Russell also out-qualified Hamilton, 
and uh, generally had more pace the whole weekend. I don't understand it. I don't know if there was something said in the post-race show regarding um, the race pace, actually, and that Hamilton maybe just got unlucky because he got stuck behind a couple cars that were defending very avidly. I don't know, but uh, Russell was driving in clean air a lot of the time, too, because signs crashed out, or uh, sorry, his car failed. So he had he had a pretty lonely race, but he seems to have that a lot, and you, you'd have to give him credit for putting him in that, himself in those situations, to be honest. So I went to give this weekend in the head-to-head -head to Russell and really question why Hamilton got driver of the yeah. day. You uh, don't get it. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean Hamilton was Hamilton was fighting and overtaking, so I guess he had a bit more of a um, he had a bit more of an exciting weekend. Um, and he is a popular driver. Yeah, um, but family. yeah, it's it, it's not what I agree with you, right? I, I also I would have given it to Gasly or Vettel or something or someone like that. Um, that being said, I don't disagree that that Hamilton was in contention for it, uh, even if I personally disagree um, with with who it ended on in the end. Um, yeah, it is a shame to see. I mean, you mentioned it, right? Why, why, why was Russell so much stronger? I think a lot of it came down to Hamilton um, having to wait in the pits a bit on Russell. They were double stacking it and Hamilton got held up behind Russell. And that's where he lost the position to Fettel and, by extension, Gasly, I believe. Yeah. Um, or Akon. Uh, yeah, yeah, by, uh, to Fettel and Akon. Alonso. Was it Alonso? Yeah, mm. yeah. He was. Yeah, because Fettel outbraked himself. Wasn't, wasn't he trying to overtake Akon there? It doesn't matter. Uh, to one of the Maybe. Alpines. And I think that cost him some time. The Alpines were really quite hard to overtake and just getting him stuck in that train. Uh, meanwhile, Russell was able to bang in very consistently good laps. And... But that reflects your qualifying performance. If, if, if you're going to qualify and be, you know, seventh, right, in that midfield pack, you can expect DRS trains a lot more than if you qualify a bit higher up where you can, you know, immediately separate yourself. Yeah. Russell's shown he's good on the first lap or the first few corners and, like, making up a position or two and then driving in clean air because they can't challenge the top two or three. So uh, he can get lucky and maybe get third. But, if, you know, he's always driving in that clear air, which is uh, working for him. And he's qualifying there, so props to him, yeah. honestly. He finished almost 30 seconds ahead of his teammate, so, you know. Yeah, which is, you know. That's that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And Verstappen also finished 20 seconds ahead of Paris, you know. And, okay, yeah. they they don't seem to have that aggressive, well, not aggressive, but that important of a rivalry yet and because they both have cars that are really quite good and they can easily keep up at the top. But, yeah, you, you've got to start to think about the fact that Hamilton isn't bringing it in or isn't the isn't taking the fight to to Russell in the qualifying and then also is only very rarely doing it in the race and yeah there's been some uh he's he's gotten unlucky and Russell's gotten lucky with safety cars every now and again you know but it it doesn't change the fact that that was maybe he's, two races that just extended the streak right like, yeah it he it's just it's just seemingly the way it is that that Russell is is doing better in this car than Hamilton and in almost every metric and it's hamilton's garage too that's what's really yeah. crazy so and I, i'll tell you what i really him him having to wait for hamilton in the pits today he'll not have liked that 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 you know that's ought to be tough on on the driver 100 percent, 100 percent. um so we would agree to give that to russell then to beating his teammate this week for sure yeah i would agree as too. the past few weeks yeah, yeah. I mean, Spain, Spain, probably not. Spain, Hamilton probably had 
the better race, even though he yeah. he didn't get the result. But but other than that, I'd be hard pressed to find a a, a week where um Russell's where Hamilton outdid Russell. Maybe Bahrain as well. Maybe Bahrain, yeah, just because everyone was kind of screwy there. But then the uh, Hamilton, yeah, but Hamilton didn't, you know. Um, Hamilton had a few moments in Bahrain. He got overtaken by Joe. He was really not good on the new tires uh, after pitting. You know, these sort of things. Fair point. Um, I guess coming down the rank order to my driver of the day, Pierre Gasly, finally showing up in the form that we are more accustomed to seeing him in consistently. Uh, and this time, I guess the team and him clicked for the whole weekend and they had a pretty clean weekend. Uh, especially for for qualifying and then the race uh, worked out really well for Gasly. We mentioned Sonoda earlier. Sadly, dropping out of the points, he would have for sure finished uh, around sixth, seventh, otherwise something yeah. along those lines, maybe eighth. But yeah, he would have had a we, double points finish for sure. We saw that after um, the Mercedes overtook uh, Gasly, uh, the AlphaTauri still had a lot of pace in it, and I think uh, Sonoda would have been in a similar boat. Yeah, uh, maybe Fettel could have challenged him, but yeah. Um, it would have been something like that. And again, Sonoda, also a good weekend. Uh, and Gasly just showed his experience in this race, finishing at P5, not like super crazily fighting with Hamilton to just drive the points home because uh, Hamilton did overtake him towards the end. Um, yeah. So well done on him. And hopefully that fuels some confidence coming back. Yeah, it should. Um, Gasly is a hot topic as far as driver transfers go this year. Huh? 100%. 100% as Perez just extended, funnily enough, right a day after we uh, recorded our last uh, Formula One podcast, yeah, which uh, he had accidentally let slip that he signed too early, uh, I guess, pre-Monaco race. And uh, Gasly, who is waiting for that Red Bull seat at AlphaTauri, essentially, now would potentially be, or is at least is being connected to McLaren a lot because Ricardo may or may not decide to continue or not continue i think it's fully in his hands you think you think yeah, from what i've him? heard from what I, no, no no from what i've heard how the contract is structured because this contract goes through next season that if they were to end it this summer already he would have the option like it's his choice uh it's not based off specific kpis i think that's kind of what's come through so like it could be like okay if you haven't gotten two points finishes by this date, then we can pull the contract out from under you, right? Performance-based kind of things. But I think even then, uh, in this contract, Daniel has the power or most of the leverage from what the press, like the, the reportings and everything have been. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Now the question is, what would, why would he pull the plug? Exactly. He's making a lot of money there. And... To be fair, this weekend was pretty good for Ricardo, but I guess we'll get to that in a second. There's two more people we need. Well, in terms of AlphaTauri, quickly to, to seal that off, um, I guess due to race results and a bit of luck, I would give it to Gasly, but Gasly also outqualified Sonoda. Um, yeah, so, but nonetheless, Sonoda had a good weekend um, yeah. until, uh, until yeah. that. Sonoda's been doing a really good job this season. He's really improved. He stepped up his game. I would have loved to see Mick kind of like how Sonoda improved. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. But, yeah, it seems um, maybe it's the car. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't think so, so. So following Gasly, we get to another team that begins with A. Um, Vettel, I think it's his season best finish at this race in P6. Uh, very solid job in qualifying. He got into P9. So you've got the top 10, Q3. 
And um, he even made a slight mistake in this race uh, where he tried to overtake Ocon and managed to recover way quicker than most probably would have because he pulled up an amazing like donut 360, which was yeah. just really cool or 180, I should say. Yeah, uh, as, as far as super cool. As far as mistakes go in overtaking on a city truck, Fessel uh, went as, yeah, handled it as well as he could have. Yep. Um, yeah. 100%, 100%. But from apart from that, his weekend was was really, really good. Uh, he did have a mini moment in qualifying, um, but in general, it didn't affect his results, really. So uh, he finished P6. I think that's as much as Aston Martin can hope for, to be honest, right now. Yeah, uh, for, for Aston Martin, uh, so that's a really good result. Yeah, for Fettel, probably not, but well, fair, fair. He would have, yeah, that's the thing about this race, though, right? Had there been instead of a virtual safety car, a safety car, or had like more parts been scattered, had Nick, had Mick or 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 Latifi had you know one of their moments, it, this he could have really benefited and jumped up higher. Uh, like he was one of those if something crazy happens, like he could have a podium, it was within reach again if something nuts would happen, yeah. True. Um, Vettel, you know, at the end beat Alonso, who was behind him. And Alonso, I thought, raced really well. It was it was good fun to see. Uh, there were some people that were really annoyed with him in qualifying as well. Uh, Albon, I'd like to <laughs> mention that on the side. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, the Alpines seemed very well driven, This, uh, especially in the race and hard to overtake. So they made the cars very wide and uh, good job on both Alpine drivers. Um, I think with Aston Martin, obviously the head-to-head -head goes to Vettel, just to quickly, I forgot to close that off, because Stroll didn't finish, uh, and even when they retired him, he wasn't running high up anyway. He also crashed in qualifying, uh, like, severely, or enough to, like, break his wheel off, I think, and, and his front wing, so definitely to Vettel that one. Um, who's your pick for Alpine? Who's my pick for Alpine? Uh, Alonso, um, but not... Uh, because I thought he did really well towards the end of the um, towards the end of the race, extending his tire life and and defending against the um, defending against the uh, uh, the, 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 the McLaren's. McLaren's, yeah. Which was an interesting dynamic. Like I, I agree with Alonso, but the dynamic behind him was Ricardo was yeah. kind of keeping close. Like I think at the closest point where he started at like 0.6 seconds away. And then it went all the way up to 2.7, but then he always chased it back down to 1.1 or so, and it kind of varied. And Norris was kind of sitting behind Ricardo waiting and like, okay, let me have a go. Let me have a go. I'm pushing harder. And then every time he would say that, Ricardo would be closer. And then it kind of, yeah. Alonso did a really good job at the end of the day. I, um, I thought it was, it was almost really toxic. Um, it was almost really toxic on the side of McLaren. I would say on the side of Norris. Yeah. But like also McLaren even... trying to make, you know, because they were trying to make both drivers happen. Like, well, if he does this, then we let him through. And if he doesn't, then you get the position. I thought it was okay. fair. I thought it, it was, was fair. fair, but it was, you know, they're in a race. If you if you got to start explaining plans like that, you know. Yeah, Come it's on. contingencies, 100%. Um, but at the end of the day, they were trying to maximize their points. And they don't get many double point finishes nowadays. Yeah. Which I guess is a good transition to Ricardo. He finally had a good, clean weekend. I mean, he had a, McLaren's, he had a, I, yeah. The McLaren, the, okay. So the McLarens, uh, at the end of the day, Ricardo only overtook Norris, really, because five people dropped out. I think four of them had qualified ahead of Ricardo and Norris. So them qualifying in P11 and 12, you know, jumped them up to uh, 
eight and nine. And that, so they had three cards ahead of them that didn't finish. But, you know, at the end of the day, all they did was benefit from DNFs. Um, but Ricardo finishing in the points, I think this is a good potential starting to gain ground kind of race for him. Because he yeah. also beat his teammate, even though he was out qualified. Um, so I don't know. I'd give them about a 50-50 split, but because I didn't really like Norris's toxicity, <laughs> continuously pushing to pass him, even though he's like two and a half seconds behind or a second and a half. Yeah. It wasn't like he was super close. And only in the last lap did he actually get within DRS range and really put pressure on. Yeah, the, the last two laps. And he, he was trying to push him to make a mistake, you know, just kind of playing a bit. Uh, which which had like, Ricardo... that's unnecessary, man. The team already yeah, gave you the exactly. order to leave it that way. So exactly. I don't know. So that's why I would give the weekend to Ricardo because I hope that he will hear this and take it as confidence <laughs> to win the next race. No, I would give the weekend to Ricardo outright. Um, he was he was right there with with Norris. He capitalized on um, on the different strategy in the start by starting on the hearts, um, and then made the best that he could have out of the mediums in the end. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, he I think, was only I think two tenths a... behind Norris in qualifying, so it's pretty close margin there. Yeah, and uh, they both had a little thing at the end where they felt like, oh yeah, we're being not given the chance to like fulfill another full lap, blah blah blah, all that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, following them, Alcon finished in um, tenth, rounding out the points. Um, he also had a solid race. Um, he didn't qualify in the points, but he got up. Both Alpines did a really good job of climbing up the field. But again, I think they also did, you know, benefited from DNFs. So uh, that's obviously good if you're qualified right outside the top 10. Bottas mm -hmm. finished in 11th. Uh, Don't Alvaro think he 12th. was shown on TV once this week. Or Bottas? once once this race. Bottas, yeah. But as um, he, uh, I think once when he had a battle with his teammate. <laughs> Which yeah, okay. overtook him. Uh, yeah, he was pretty quiet, and I would almost give the weekend to Joe, but Joe didn't finish. So yeah, kind of a stalemate with Bottas, maybe. But um, in qualifying, Joe actually outqualified Bottas um, by quite a margin. So maybe I'll give it to Joe. Seven tenths was the margin. Yeah, uh, I see. I'll say this: If Joe had finished, I'd be I'd be happy to give him the weekend. I know it's tough, but Bottas didn't finish in the points. True, but and you know that only ten cars can finish in the points, so it's true. It's true. Fair enough. Fair and enough. it's not going to be one of every team. So they're also kind of maybe more tied instead of giving the win to anyone. Um, Albon surprisingly came back from his one terrible race and uh, <laughs> beat his teammate without a problem. I think we give that to Albon. For sure. I mean, I'll even go as far and say I'll, I'll give the season to Albon. Yeah. <laughs> already. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to announce the TP's leaving. And we'll see who they bring in instead. But I'm, I'm definitely sure they're not going to keep a TP. Because they could have two drivers like Albon that are pushing for, you know, points occasionally. I mean, they could have, they could even have Albon and a, and a driver that isn't Latifi. And it would really be an improvement, you know, almost, almost. Maybe Mick should drive for Williams. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe. Who knows? Um, yeah, so Tsunoda, we already talked about. He finished behind Albon. And then uh, we have Schumacher and Latifi rounding out the bout. Um, Schumacher finishing P14. 
did beat his teammate, but his teammate was running in, I think, 10th or 11th when he had 11th, his power yeah. unit issue. So uh, I don't know. Also, he got massively out-qualified. I don't remember exactly what the reason was, but the difference is 1.1 seconds. Can't really give it to Schumacher, even though he finished the race. No, for sure not. I mean, Schumacher, I don't know what's going on with him. I was keeping an eye on him. And, and it seemed like he'd done two pit stops by the time the second safety car came around already. They didn't and I don't know if he coverage, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just weird. I feel like they were trying to go for a counter strategy and he started on the hards, but then he, they pitted him relatively early for the mediums and then they pitted him again and he was just 40 seconds behind the next guy. It was just, yeah, it was just nowhere this weekend, unfortunately. Too bad, too bad. But he did have a quiet race and, you know, it didn't seem like he made any driving big driving errors, at least from what I've seen. He didn't have a big massive spin or, you know, a big crash. So yeah. he brought the car whole home. And I think that's something to build off of. Even if the team, because often with Haas races, especially with him, they've made a couple bad strategy calls with him that have caught him out and lost some places, um, which is a little meh, you know. So he drove the car, yeah. he started it, I'm, and he finished it, and it hadn't broken. He, I, I'd really like to see Mick just have, you know, a really good race. Not he, and you know, everyone's like, oh, he needs points, he needs points. I don't care if he gets points. I just want to see him crashed. in a race where. Exactly, where he can actually like overtake people and, and learn during the race and really adapt. Well, and if he finishes 11th at the, at the end of that, fuck it, you know, Doesn't just matter. yeah, I just want to see, I just want to see our boy perform, you know, exactly represent. Um, what's the next race? Canada, just pretty similar to um, so pretty similar to Baku in a lot of ways. Victory with Latifi P2, good for sure, yeah. Yeah, the Canadian yeah. top. And no one else, everyone else crashes into the wall of champions. That's a good idea. Um, what are your predictions for that weekend? My predictions. Interesting. Let's see. I am predicting I'll say for stopping DNFs because he's crashing into the wall of champions, uh, because everyone has to do that and he hasn't, I don't think. <laughs> um and Not then I'll the say champion. And then I'll say Leclerc wins it. Uh, I'll say Ferrari won two. And then Paris. And I'll say Hamilton DNFs as well. Ooh. Because his back hurts too much on the with the bouncing. Okay, well, that's five points you can get if you get them all right. So my recommend or my, my tips would be that. Perez will win. Mm -hmm. Then Leclerc. And then Verstappen. I'm going to keep guessing the same thing until it's right. Perez, Leclerc, Verstappen. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and uh, okay, my bonus two ones um, will be that Mick finishes in the points. Which I think is worth two points if I get it right. <laughs> and uh Zhou Yu will also get points. Let, let's say the following you get as many points as Mick gets next race. <laughs> Mick podium. Come on, boy. I need yeah. this. But if Mick but if Mick doesn't finish this in the points, uh you don't get any points at all, even from your other predictions. Okay. Which is fair because you can lose like what three points, but you could gain 26. Yeah, I don't think I'll get 26. 
you never know. You never know. You never know. Well, great. Um, that about wraps our review of the Baku GP. Overall, what's your grade, Toby? Oh, solid three, uh, three out of five. Uh, average. So very average race. All right. Yeah, I think I'd give it a six as well. Maybe a five, to be honest. But for the same reasons you said, very average, not very yeah. super exciting. Narrative is exciting that changes now with Ferrari again fucking up. Um, so we'll see where that goes to Canada. Oh, here's a fun stat I just saw on uh, on Reddit. Uh, in Baku, George Russell ties Nico Rosberg's record for uh, finishing ahead of Lewis Hamilton in seven consecutive races. Rosberg beat Hamilton seven time, uh, seven straight races when he won seven in a row from Mexico 2015 to Russia 2016. That's very impressive. Did he win seven consecutive races? Uh, yeah. Is that what that said? That's, that's that okay. is what that's that said. Way more impressive than Russell. <laughs> Although yep. if Russell won in this Mercedes, that would be pretty impressive too. True. Great. Well, All right. everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed be... the review. Or the, it... the, the emotional reaction. The emotional reaction. As, as we call them now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good title. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we have a special interview lined up with a friend that I met in Prague. Um, we met while playing live music. So we're excited to share that conversation with you. Up until then, enjoy your week. Um, and we will see you soon. All right. Au revoir.